Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Even when it's good, you know what I'm saying, even when it's going along steady and it's not like some super bad thing going on in our life, and sometimes there's that, but still, it's just life, right? It's the the pressures, it's the business, it's all that kind of stuff. Circumstances. Often in life, they are less than desirable. Various trials can test our faith and cause us to struggle spiritually and emotionally. In those times, a little encouragement can go a long way. Uh, I bet if we were all honest, we'd all say, sometimes I wish on this big blue ball that's spinning through space, I'd love to just kind of step off for a little while, <laughs> you know, just, just let it spin on uh, around for a few times without me, because it just seems like so much is going on. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. The first century church faced many obstacles, including persecution for their faith. In 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter is writing to believers to encourage them to stay strong in the faith and to remind them of what it is that we have to be thankful for as followers of Jesus. Thank God, not of your own merit, not of your own ability, not of your own doing, not of your own goodness, but purely and only exclusively by the grace of God have you and I been able to be considered children of the living God. We are trophies of His grace. And thank God that we are trophies of His grace. When facing various trials, it can be easy to focus on the trial itself. But as Pastor Clay is going to show us today from 1 Peter chapter 1, we have much to be thankful for. Now here's Pastor Clay. Life, right? Even when it's good, you know what I'm saying, even when it's going along steady and it's not like some super bad thing going on in our life, and sometimes there's that, but even that, still, it's just life, right? It's the, it's the pressures, it's the business, it's the, all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I bet if we were all honest, we'd all say, sometimes, you know, sometimes I wish on this big, big blue ball that's spinning through space, I'd love to just kind of step off for a little while, you know, just, just let it spin on uh, around for a few times without me because it just seems like so much is going on. But I'm excited, excited to be here, excited to be able to open the Word of God and see what God has to say to your life today, specifically for you, where you are and what's going on. So for the next few moments, I'm asking you, as you've continued to worship the Lord, stay in that worship mode, because opening His Word and, 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 and not checking out, and, we, and I know that can happen sometimes, not checking out, you know, and saying, all right, God, I want to worship you through receiving what you would say to me through your Word, so that I leave here today uh, encouraged and edified and strengthened and more confident than ever in my, in my walk with Jesus Christ. Y'all, have y'all ever been around people that love to use the phrase, thank God, a lot? You know what I'm saying? There's, and I'm not necessarily talking about like religious people. You know, we say, well, I want to thank the Lord for this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that not necessarily religious people, but they just use that phrase a lot. Thank God. Thank God for this. Thank God for that. Thank God, you know, this, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it seems to me that uh, New Jersey people, they say it the best. You know, I, I can't even do a New Jersey accent, but, but the New Jersey accent, the way, you know, kind of the whole... Does anybody do a New Jersey accent? Does anybody here, besides my wife, originally from New Jersey? My wife lost her accent a long time ago, but... But you know what I'm saying? That New Jersey, a Jersey accent. They, they seem to think, they say, to say it, the, and they say it a lot. People from New Jersey say it a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's one. There's one. 
George Bernard Shaw famously said, I'm an atheist, and I thank God for it. People like, to, people like to use that phrase. John Denver thanked God he was a country boy. I, I don't think he really was, but. But that, that, that's, there's just a phrase. It's a phrase. People like, to, that people like to use that phrase. Thank God. Well, let's use that phrase today. Open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, whether you have a digital copy, old school hard copy like I like to use. Or if you want to look up on the screen, it's going to be up there too. Thanks to the magic of technology. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 7. Just a few verses this morning we're going to look at. Let's see what we got to thank God about or for. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Doesn't that sound nice? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, today, from your word, from your word, such powerful truth. Help us to unpack it, Lord God. Uh, As your messenger boy, I pray, ask, beg for your anointing upon me that I might properly deliver the truth of your word to each person the message that they need to hear today, Lord God, Holy Spirit, would you speak into their heart and their life, every man, every woman, boy, girl in this place. person may be here and they may be 8 or 80 or anywhere in between. But God, your word is truth without any mixture of error. It's able to divide soul and spirit, even joint and marrow. So I ask again today, as I've asked many times through the years, Lord God, that as the great physician, that you would do surgery on our hearts and lives and that you would surgically remove from us what should not be there and that you would sow into our lives from your word the truth that we can apply and be better, better human being, better followers of Jesus as a result of what you would say to us through your word. It's in your strong name that we pray. Amen.
Let's start with this idea this morning. Thank God for the title you wear. Ah, let's read it again. I know I just read it, but let's read it again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen, it really should continue on to verse 2 there, who are chosen according to the knowledge of God the Father. Thank God for the title that you wear if you sit here this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter writes this uh, letter, uh, probably from Rome, to a group of churches, not a specific church per se, but to, to, partic- to a, a group of churches made up of both Jews and Gentiles, because remember there were Jews scattered all over the world at that time, and Jews, because they already, uh, uh, already identified with this, with this Jehovah God, that they, they, they were, many Jews were, were coming to Christ uh, in the early days, but so were non-Jews, these Gentiles, and the church was made up of of this, this eclectic mix of both Jews and Gentiles. And, and he's writing to this group of house churches in, in what today would predominantly be uh, northern Turkey. Uh, he's, he wrote the letter probably, pretty, pretty sure, somewhere around 64, probably in 64 AD, just before what is called, or what is known as the Neuronian persecution that came down on the church. It was Nero's... Um, that whole burning Rome, all that stuff. Um, too boring for many of you, I'm sure, to get into. But uh, right around 64 AD, just prior to the Neuronian persecution. Now, the followers of Jesus, uh, really, uh, from Jerusalem on, had already experienced some amount of distress, some amount of persecution as a result of their faith in Christ. But the persecution was about to ramp up. Now, God in his sovereignty, of course, knows that. And so God is, through Peter, writing to believers scattered all over that region that Peter mentions there, all over what is today northern Turkey. He's writing to them to encourage them in the midst of the dark days that they may have been experienced right then, but what they were going to be experiencing in the future. They were, they were going to need some, some hope. They were going to need some encouragement. Can anybody, can anybody identify with that, are there times in your life when you need hope? Are there times in your life when you need encouragement? Are there times in your life where it feels dark? It feels dark. Now we all know that the the darkness can vary in its intensity, right? Sometimes it's it's just kind of you know early morning gray. You know you can kind of see, but you're not. But it's kind of hard, but you can make your way through. Sometimes it is as black as midnight and you can't see the hand in front of your face. It is so dark in your life, in the circumstances going on, whatever it might be. All of us need encouragement at times in our lives. So this, this letter, this encouragement is, is spoken as much to you as it, is, as it was to those believers 2,000 years ago. And my prayer is that it speeds straight to the heart of the person in this place today or the person listening to this message today who is in the midst of some dark time in their life because that's what it's there for. Peter uh, starts out he, and he, he refers to us right off the bat. He, he says that we are, uh, New American Standard says, we are aliens. 
uh, the King James and the NIV translated as strangers. The New Living translates it as foreigners. One trans, uh, translation or commentary I, wrote, I read uh, translated it sojourners. We are aliens, we are strangers, we are foreigners, we are sojourners. Peripedemois is the word in Greek. It, it is to be a temporary resident in a foreign land. That's what it means. Peter says, hey, you're a peripedemois. You're a temporary resident in a foreign land. So any of those translations would work. And I cannot think of a better title for followers of Jesus Christ than that right there. You and I, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are an alien. You are a stranger. You are a foreigner. You are a sojourner in this land. This this world is not your home. And I thank God for that title. I have had the privilege, some of you have as well, I know, whether it's, whether it's through church experiences or through military or just traveling, but I've had the privilege of, of traveling a number of places in this world. And every place that I have gone, I have had no problem realizing that I was in a foreign land. Do you know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? There's, it's not like there's a America 2 somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's no problem because, because they, they don't speak the same language, they don't have the same customs, they don't eat the same food, they don't have the same traffic laws. <laughs> Any place I have gone, I have had no problem realizing that I was in a foreign land and I could not wait to get back to America because I think America is the greatest nation on earth. I'm sorry, I had to say that unapologetically. I think America is the greatest nation on earth. America. It's, it, it's, you know you're real American. You just drop the age. It's America. <laughs> but it, it's, 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 it's not difficult for me to realize, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't fit in here. I'm a, I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner. I'm an alien in this land. Peter says, that's, what, that's us. That's what we are. And, and there's this sense that we should not fit in, that we should not be comfortable, that we should not just blend in. We should stand out like a sore thumb in this world in which we live. We shouldn't blend in. We shouldn't disappear. We shouldn't. You and I should be proud of the title that we wear. I am an alien. I am a foreigner. I am a stranger in this land. This is not my home. I'm just passing through Jesus, in what is called his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus says this to the Father. Maybe you've read this before. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Anybody want to guess who they are? It's you and me. It's followers of Jesus. We are not of this world. I want to say to you today, thank God for the title that you wear if you know Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're, if you're uncertain about that whole concept, I'm here to say to you that you can know Christ as your Savior. You can own that title with the realization that this is not your home that you're just passing through. Here's the second idea uh, this morning. Thank God for the trophy you are. You read verses 2 and 3 to you. Y'all all right? Glad of your title? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, watch this, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The, 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 good, the good grace, the good mercy of God the Father, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, the finished work of of God the Son on the cross, evidenced by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, has caused us, as Peter says there, to be born again, to be birthed into the family of God. That is the trophy that you are. You are a trophy. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are a trophy of God's grace. Not of your own merit, not of your own ability, not of your own doing, not of your own goodness, but purely and only exclusively by the grace of God have you and I been able to be considered children of the living God. We are trophies of His grace. And thank God that we are trophies of His grace. Peter uses this phrase here that we are born again. Now, of course, we know where Peter got that from. Peter got that straight from Jesus. Jesus was the first one to use that phrase in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus, this uh, religious leader who, who was struggling with this thing and, and had come to believe, man, there's something special about this Jesus, but he comes to Jesus at night, you know, because he's kind of afraid about the other guys. And so he comes to Jesus at night in John chapter 3, and, uh, and here's what we know. We know that Nicodemus was a good man. We know that Nicodemus wanted to do the right thing. We know that Nicodemus was a religious man. And we know that, that Nicodemus believed in, in Jesus. Believed, I'm going to put that in air quotes, believed in Jesus. Because he says, he says no one could do the things that you do and not be from God. That's basically what he says. So, so he knows that Jesus is from God. Here's the thing. Jesus says, Nick, that's not enough. It's not enough to be a good person. It's not enough to be a religious person. It's not enough to even believe that I came from God. Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's the phrase that Jesus used. As far as I know, that's the first place that it's used. You must be born again. You and I uh, have been born once physically. That's a physical birth. We have been physically born. But in, Nick, in John chapter 3, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that there must be a second birth. This birth, obviously, obviously, must be a spiritual birth. And so we must be birthed into the family of God, which comes by faith through the finished work of Christ on the cross, putting my faith in that work, even though I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. I, I believe that Christ died for my sins. I am a sinner. I turn from those sins. All those things that we talk about, that what it means to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and in that moment, a person is born again. You become a trophy of God's grace. And Peter says that because the resurrection is the evidence that Jesus' sin payment was sufficient for your sins and mine, because the resurrection proves that, you have, he, said, he refers to this, you have this living hope. So he says it is a living hope. It's a living hope because it's based on a living Savior, a God, a, a God who would not stay dead, would not stay in the ground, but came forth from the grave three days later. And so you have been born again to this living hope. 
Dante, uh, y'all, I'm sure y'all are very familiar with all his works, uh, in, in, uh, in his Divine Comedy, put this inscription over the entrance to hell. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. But not those who have been born again to a living hope. Oh no, oh no. No, we are a trophy of God's grace and we are a trophy of His grace because, I'll say it again, because, because my salvation, my spiritual birth is not based on what I can do or, or should do or have done, but is based purely on God's mercy, the Spirit's work, the Son's uh, sacrifice, so that I can have this living hope. You've read this perhaps before, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Max Licato, uh, in his uh, book, In the Eye of the Storm, uh, tells this story about a little boy who went into a pet shop. Uh, this was a number of years ago, supposedly, but a little boy who went into a pet shop to buy a puppy. And, uh, and so the store owner uh, told him where the puppies were. They had them in a box or a cage or something in the back. And he said, you go back there and pick you one, one out that you want. And so he went back there, and the little boy looks at him for a while. And he comes back up to the front, and he says, okay, I, I've picked out my puppy. How much uh, will he cost? And the store owner tells the little boy how much the puppies cost. And he says, okay, uh, I'll be back with the money as soon as I, I've earned it, made it. And so the store owner says to him, he said, well, don't take too long because these kind of pups won't, won't stay here that long. And the little boy, as he went out to the store, he said, don't worry, I'm not worried. My, my, my puppy will be there. So he goes out and he goes to work. He's, you know, cleaning windows, mowing lawns, whatever all he's doing to earn enough money uh, to purchase this puppy. And finally he, he uh, gets up enough and he comes back to the store and he pulls out this wad of money on the counter and the store owner patiently counts it all out and he says, okay, he says, it's here, go pick out your puppy. And he goes back and he gets his puppy and he comes up to the front and, he, and the little boy has picked out a puppy that uh, has, has a, a bad leg. He's gimp, he's got a, a limp leg. And the store owner says, oh, son, he says, no, you, you don't want that puppy. He says, that, that puppy will never be able to run with you. That puppy will never be able to jump. Uh, you go back and get a, another puppy. And, and he says, no, sir, I, I've been looking for a puppy just like this. And the store owner said, he started to say something again, to say, no, I don't think you understand, kid. Uh, he started to say something again, but as he did, and he saw the little boy, he's beginning to walk out the store, and he looked down and he realized that the little boy had a brace on his leg. And suddenly he understood that the little boy wanted to rescue a dog that he could identify with, that who, had, who had shared the same experience that, that he experienced. And I'm here to say to you, that's exactly what God did. He became a man so that he could experience this life that you and I have here, yes, without sin, but to know uh, this this world to identify with us so that he might rescue us from quite honestly the mess we would make out of our lives were it not for him that's the trophy that you are warren wearsby says this uh, he says this confident hope 
that Peter's talking about. This, this living hope, this confident hope gives us the encouragement and enablement we need for daily living. It does not put us in a rocking chair where we complacently await the return of Jesus Christ. Instead, it puts us in the marketplace, on the battlefield, where we keep on going when the burdens are heavy and the battles are hard. Hope is not a sedative, it's a shot of adrenaline, a blood transfusion. That's what you and I have, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God for the trophy that you are that allows you to go out every day and, and, and not in a sense to say, oh, look at me, but to say, look at me. Look what God has done with me. God desires to do that in every single life that we interact with. Every single life that you sit across the lunchroom table from or that you, you, you have, see over in the next cubicle or in the, in the factory or at the, in the classroom, wherever it is that you are, every one of those people, what is it we've been saying for two years? Hashtag ask the question. I get, we keep saying that all over the place. Ask the question, where will this person spend eternity? Every single person will spend eternity somewhere in heaven or hell. And God desires that all of them would experience this living hope. But it requires that they be born again. And so you and I become this trophy to display God's grace. Can I say this to you? And, and, and this is, you know, maybe convicting to all of us. Followers of Jesus Christ ought to be the most content, the most joyful, the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should be. We should be. And and oftentimes, I don't think we do. I think sometimes we're susceptible to those same circumstances and we let those circumstances wear us down and we're, we're, you know, woe is me and and, and we're, we're living in the moment of those circumstances and we forget, we forget that we have a living hope. And when we, when we realize that we have this living hope, and, and that living hope is lived out in us, I promise you, people notice. You may not hear it. They may not. I, I don't know how it'll, but I'm telling you, people will notice. That, man, that, their life, their life is different. Okay, one more, real quickly. Thank God for the treasure you received. And I'll, that's intentional, it's past tense. May not be in your possession yet, but it's waiting for you. Let me, let me read it, verse 4 and 5. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected By the power of God, through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, the culmination, the finalization of that salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time, at the return of Christ, the end of days, all of that kind of stuff. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Peter says, first off, now listen, here's this treasure that, that belongs to those who have been born again, who have this living hope. He says, first off, this treasure, I want you to understand this treasure is imperishable. Uh, Aphrathaton is the Greek word. It is, it is uh, a treasure that is uncorruptible, that, that is un, uh, uh, unable, unable to decay. Notice the alpha primitive. We talked about those in the last few weeks. The alpha primitives uh, uh, that come up on several of these, the negating what it is. It, it, it can't be, per- it will not perish. It will not rot it will not decay it will not go away everything on this earth is perishable 
Theologians call it the sin curse. Scientists call it the second law of thermodynamics or the law of entropy. You can call it whatever you want. But everything in, on this earth is decaying, dying, rusting, wearing out, breaking down. But not the treasure that is waiting for you. Whatever all that will be. And I, that some of that is mysterious. I will freely admit that. But it is imperishable. It cannot wear out. It will not wear out. And not only is it imperishable, he, said, he, he goes on. P- Peter's, he's, he, I think Peter's kind of getting in uh, Baptocostal territory here. I think I, he's getting excited even as he writes it. it. Not only is it imperishable, but it's also undefiled. Ah, miantan. It's, it's absolutely pure. Absolutely pure. Undefiled. It cannot be defiled. It cannot be corrupted. It is pure in its total essence. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Osmonds made a lot of money uh, years ago uh, with a song uh, called One Bad Apple, Don't Spoil the Whole Bunch, Girl. I asked Matt and Tyler, no, not a clue, not a clue what, what that is. And you know, I won't, I won't, I, I, when I was looking at this, looking this up, I'm like, why, why are the Osmonds in a ditch? I mean, I don't even know what that has to do with apples. But why, and, and you know, why wouldn't you be have an apple tree behind them or something, but they're in a ditch, and I don't, I don't know. But the, the Osmonds made a lot of money off one bad apple. Do y'all want to sing it? No, too much. Somebody would have to cover that high part that Donnie did. I don't care what they say. Now, listen, there's, there's only, there's only one, one problem with that. It's not true. One bad apple will spoil the whole bunch. You put a rotten apple in a barrel, watch what happens. Every single one of those apples will become corrupted. It will become uh, defiled. But not the treasure that's waiting for you. It cannot be corrupted. And he's not done yet. He says, and it is unfading. Ah, merantan. It does, not, it does not lose its value. It does not lose its worth. It does not fade. It is, it is, it is unfading. Absolutely protected. Therefore you, because he also says that it is reserved. Tetramenen. It is reserved. It's, it's a... It's actually a, a verb in, in, a, in a middle form that carries the idea that it, it pictures a past action performed by God that continues to have its effect into the present and into the future. That's, that's what he's talking about here. That this, this, is, this is reserved. This is better than Fort Knox, baby. This is better than Fort Knox. Why? Because he went on there in verse 5. He said, because it's protected by the very power of God. It's reserved for you. Now listen, now I want you to grab, that, grab a hold of that in the midst of your, of your circumstance, in the midst of your darkness. I want you to grab a hold of that and say, now wait a minute. I've been born again to this living hope and look what is waiting for me. Look what is waiting for me. And see if that does, just, to, just the, the, the sheer idea of thanking God for, for this. If it doesn't change Maybe not your circumstance, but your whole approach to life. Now, this is not, uh, I want to preface this story by saying this is not biblical, okay? This is not how it works. But uh, Fred, 
uh, was standing before the pearly gates uh, facing St. Peter, and St. Peter uh, had his iPad out going over a list of questions for Fred. And he came to this, this question. He said, can you, can you think of one uh, event, one circumstance in your life where you did something that was purely, totally unselfish in, in, in every way? And Fred, as a matter of fact, I can. He said, uh, uh, one time he said, I, I, w- I was walking down the street and I saw an elderly lay- lady being accosted by uh, a group of, of uh, motorcycle gang members. And he said, and I, I ran in there and I, I, I uh, kicked the, the leader of the gang in the shins and I, and I punched this other guy in the, in the uh, stomach and I, I grabbed the elderly lady away from this big bearded guy and I grabbed her away and I, and I ri- whisked her over to uh, some uh, guy, stand, this guy's just over there so he could, he could take her away and I ran back into the group and I took on the whole gang at, at one time fighting them off so that she could, uh, she, she could get away. And, and as he's telling this story, clearly St. Peter is impressed by this. He says, he says wow, this, when did this happen? Fred uh, about two minutes ago. Here's the truth. None of us know. None of us know when we're going to take our last breath. None of us know when we're going to depart this place. But every one of us can know what is waiting for us. That is undefiled, uncorrupted, unfading, reserved in heaven for you. Jesus said this in uh, John chapter 14, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, Charles Bailey didn't even know this, but in the providence of God, he sent me a picture yesterday that looked like this. And then, and then, he, had, he, and then he had this caption. He says, he says is, is this what Jesus meant by he's going to prepare a place for us? I texted him back, I said, I don't know, but it's going to have to be good to beat that. (laughs) Chick-fil-A and Krispy Kreme in the same place? Come on. (laughs) Listen, this this is what is waiting for us as followers of Jesus. If you know Christ as your Savior, it's not not based on your, your good merit. Now listen, we all know this, we ought to be good people. We ought to treat people right. We ought to uh, be willing to love people when they're unlovable. We ought to be able to forgive people when, when we don't feel like forgiving. We ought to treat people the right way, act the right way. We, 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 ought to, we ought to do all of those things. But none of those things are what make what's waiting for us possible. What makes it possible is the grace of God that has allowed us to be born a second time, to be born spiritually into the family of God so that we have this living hope that is undefiled and and imperishable and unfading and reserved in heaven for us, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior. And here's the kicker. It's an invitation that is open to any and every person who would come to know, who would be willing to say, yes, Lord, I know. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from you. I know I need a relationship with you. And by faith, I'm casting my hope, my, my eternal future, upon what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And the arms of God are open wide, inviting and welcoming any person who would come by faith into a relationship with Him.
This is the title that is yours. This is the trophy that you are. This is the treasure that is yours or can be yours if you would commit your life to Jesus Christ. And I say to all of that, thank God. No one enjoys trials, especially those that come as a result of being a follower of Jesus Christ. But when we focus on what we have to be thankful for instead of our trial, we can have joy even as we experience difficulties in our life. Followers of Jesus Christ truly have much to thank God for. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross-culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about a relationship, a community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person, real people who truly care, solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, and the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.